we're, we're going to have, how, how many of you, let me put it this way, how many of you have been to camp growing up? You went to camps, uh, like youth camps, like, okay, so you know how camp can get, like, really interactive? We're, we're, it's going to be like camp in here a little bit today. We're going to have a bit of a, a Pentecostal camp experience. Now, I want to freak you out, right? So you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. But, but I believe that God wants to move in power. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, wants to do some mighty things today. And so I want to tell you right up front, get ready. Our, our prayer time before service at 930 uh, was, was on fire. It was powerful. And God is moving in this place. And, and so I want you, and, and what I'm doing and giving you a heads up is to say this. Prepare your heart to receive. Would you open your heart to receive from the Lord what he wants to speak to you today. Today we were going to have a baptism service, um, and we didn't have anyone sign up, which uh, it's okay, um, and it's not okay in this. We're, we're called to reach the lost, and as the lost give their lives to Jesus, one of the first steps in, in that relationship with the Lord and walking in obedience to him is water, water baptism i got to tell you, as a church, if we're not baptizing people in water, it means there's something else missing. Can we get real for a minute? You're like, whoa, we just went from the greeting right into this. I told you, it's going to be a little different. Um, I got to go to a conference this week that really challenged deeply some of my assumptions and some of the things I believe about who we are as the body of Christ and as a pastor about what I believe my job is. Can I just tell you, God just kind of wrecked me this week. So I'm just happy to pass that on to you. (laughs) Because sometimes we need to get wrecked for the kingdom. We need to allow God to stir us up in a way and get unsettled and allow the Lord to touch on places in our lives that we've just become complacent in. I just want to make this declaration as as your pastor today that we're going to come to a place where there is a line of people waiting to get baptized, that people will be asking to say, when's the next baptism service? I, and, and saying things like, I can't wait that long. Can we do it next week? And let's start believing and declaring that we're not just here for us. Amen? That there are people that don't know Jesus who need to know him, who need to engage in a life-giving relationship with him, be baptized in water, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and be sent out to do the things that God has called them to do. I heard statistics that, this week that said, you know, churches that are 10 years old and older generally don't reach their communities very well. And those statistics have been compiled by churches and, and leaders and, and statisticians who know what they're doing, but I don't buy into it because my God is not limited. In fact, that's the title of my sermon this morning, Unlimited. Unlimited. Last week I was online and I was looking for a new wireless plan because I'm not, I'm not unhappy with what I've got, but I feel like I could get a better, better deal. Anyone relate to that? Every time you get your wireless bill, don't you just feel like you're getting ripped off? And, uh, and I was like, I'm going to look online. And so I hopped on Verizon's website. All right. And by the way, I, I'm with T-Mobile. If you want to tell me how great your carrier is, that's great. Um, shoot me a text or an email. But, but Verizon has this thing, this unlimited plan now that has multiple scales. And I was kind of chuckling to myself. You see, because with Verizon, you can, go, you can be go unlimited, beyond unlimited, and above unlimited. And I started laughing, and I'm like, I think unlimited means something different to them, right? Because unlimited is just kind of unlimited. How do you go above unlimited, right? I'm like, slick, slick marketing. They're like, if you want to go above unlimited, it's going to cost you an extra $40 a month. And I'm like, oh my, oh my goodness. But I started thinking about the fact that God is unlimited, period, He is unlimited, but I'm not. Anyone here this morning have limitations? We are 
limited. It got me thinking about my limitations. And even as last week we were talking about eternity and the fact that we were designed and created for eternity, that God has put eternity in our hearts and our souls and that he's eternal God and that we get to participate in something that's not limited to this time and space. That we're already living in eternity in God's kingdom with every right and every privilege that comes from being a son and a daughter of the Most High God. That's our reality. And that reality is unlimited. Yet we so often default to the limited aspect of our lives. What we see, what we touch, what we feel, what we, what we can produce. What kind of name we can make for ourselves. Those things are all limitations. And so the Lord took me to Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to ask you to turn there. The words will be up on the screen as well. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And we had, a while back, we had done a series on the, the, uh, the, the, the armor of God that Paul deals with in Ephesians 6. And we had talked about the fact that, that Paul was addressing to the Ephesians, uh, kind of, he was writing to them kind of a handbook on how to do church. If, if there's any book in the Bible that's a kind of a handbook of how do you do church well, it's Ephesians. And he covers this vast range of topics, everything from marriage to work to relationships to spiritual warfare to ordering, like just everything is covered in the book of Ephesians. And right in the middle, in Ephesians 3, we find this reading. He says in verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. It's our identity. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit, through his Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. That's you, by the way, forever and ever. Amen. A passage of scripture and a window into Paul's thinking and into his heart that is so key for us to grasp. This is unlimited thinking. He talks about surpassing knowledge. Your knowledge is limited. Your understanding is limited. And so, so to, to overlay what I know of God and then start limiting my relationship with God to what I know is wrong. Because he's not limited. He's unlimited. I want to make a, a few points. We're actually going to, like I said, it's going to be interactive. So I have a few points and then we're going to move into a portion of our service where I'm going to ask for some responses from you. And I'm going to ask you to risk, to be bold. I might even ask you to, to stand up at some point and make a declaration by actually getting up on your feet. We're going to pray for healing this morning in this place. And we're going to take the lid off the expectations and the limitations of what we believe that God can do. So first thing is this, unlimited starts with a relationship with God. Unlimited starts with a relationship with God. You are limited and you are weak. Sorry if that comes as a surprise to you this morning. You are limited and you are weak. You just are. And it's how we're born into this world. But Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, that being your soul. So God knows you're weak and he knows that you're limited, but he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pour my spirit into you as you have a relationship with me, as you engage with me, as you say yes to me and partner with me, and as my spirit is poured into you, I will strengthen the weak parts of who you are so that you can stand. 
so that, so that you can now know and your eyes can be open to what you're missing, to what's not there, to what needs to be there. And he does this not in your mind or even experientially. He does it in your inner being, in your soul. Again, your soul being that part of you that communes with God, that has fellowship with God. And so he goes to the core of who you are and he says, I'm going to strengthen you there. Because if you're strong in your inner being, it'll affect every part of your life. Everything you do, your relationships, your work, your education, your finances, your physical body, it will affect everything. And it'll change the way you see who you are. So unlimited always, 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 always starts with a relationship with God. And listen, I'm not just saying, hey, raise your hand, say yes to Jesus, pray a little prayer, and you're good to go. That's not a relationship. That's a decision, and it's kind of like a first date. That's a really good first date, right? You've made an introduction. You've become a part of what God has. Okay, maybe it's more like a wedding day. Let's say that. Theologically, we're going to tie some things up there. But you step into something that you weren't a part of before. But just saying yes to Jesus is not now experiencing the fullness of a relationship. You now have to press in and start walking with the Lord and have an ongoing, daily, intimate, growing relationship with God. And so I believe one of the reasons as Christians is that we so often live limited lives is that we're not flowing in a relationship and living in a relationship with God. Because if we were, we would have access to daily and be invested in daily this power that strengthens us in our inner being. And so we have to have a vibrant, ongoing relationship with God. That's one of the reasons we're going to do EHS. It helps to unpack some of the reasons emotionally Things that we bring from our human relationships into our relationship with God that limit us from going into the deeper places that God is calling us to. And, 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 and it happens. I've been hurt in this kind of relationship, so I can't, I can't really trust God. Well, you know, this person or that person or, right, I'm just going to hold back. Well, God says, we even do it when we read the Bible. God makes declarations over our lives, and we're like, I can't really engage with that because it touches something painful in my life. God says, well, I want to heal that so that you can know me more fully and walk with me more intimately. And he says, as this happens, that we become filled to the measure the full measure of, of, of the fullness of God. Filled to the full measure of, of everything that he is. God says, listen, the capacity that you make in your life, the place you give me in your life, I will fill every bit. I'm not going to withhold. I'm not going to wait. I didn't withhold. Christy said it this morning during the prayer. He's not a God who's at a distance. What he's saying is, I'm ready to pour into you. What he's waiting for from us, though, is for us to open up our lives and say, God, I need you, and I need more of you, and I need more of you today, and God, I want to walk more closely with you each and every day, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He goes on to say, God will do immeasurably more. Immeasurably. Now think about that word. It's so much that you can't measure it. How often have you in your relationship with the Lord tried to measure where you're at or what God is doing? We have like this scale of, well, God did these things in my life, but he hasn't done these things in my life. And we start walking in this tension between what he's done and what he hasn't done. And if God doesn't do the things I want him to do, when there's a tension in my relationship with him or a lack of trust, and God's saying, no, no, I want to fill you in every part, and it's going to be immeasurably more. Do we take God at his word and believe that he actually wants to do more than what he's currently doing in our lives? See, God is unlimited 
And nothing you can do in your life can limit him. But what you can do is limit yourself. You can never limit God, but you can limit yourself. And so it starts with a relationship with God. Unlimited starts with a relationship with God. But the second point is this. Unlimited grows as our capacity increases. Your engagement with the unlimited power of God in your life will increase and you will see more of it happening as you increase the capacity of your life to receive from him, for him to pour into who you are immeasurably more. And then he says, all we ask or imagine. You know what Paul is saying here? You don't even know what to ask for. And your wildest imaginations, your wildest dreams don't even come close to what God has for you. You don't know what to ask for, and not even your dreams come close. God has more than that for you. That's who he wants to be in your life. That's the way that he wants to engage with you. That's how he wants to pour it uh, uh, unlimited into your life. We don't even know what to ask for. Jesus shared this parable in Luke chapter 5, verse 36 through 39. He says this, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they would have a torn new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, the new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking the old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Wineskins is a bit of a a weird picture for us because we're not familiar with wineskins. But in Jesus' time, the way that they they carried wine was in a skin. It was a, a leather pouch. And after time, that leather pouch would become brittle. That leather would, would uh, dry out. And it would become brittle and fragile and risk the, you would run the risk of that, that, that thing bursting and all the contents running out. It also became seasoned with the flavor of the old wine. It would just seep into the pores. And so the picture here is this. If you start pouring new wine into an old wineskin, you run the risk of not only losing the wine because that wineskin bursts, but you also contaminate the new wine with the flavor of the old wine. And and it becomes, well, old wine, not good. And so Jesus, just using logic and reason, says, listen, no one in this world would do that. You wouldn't take something good and try pour it into something that's old or worn out. Well, what's what's the application for us? What is he saying for us? He's saying that our walk with him and our relationship with him can, can become like this. We start talking about the past. Well, I remember when God used to do this in my life, and I remember that time when this happened and that happened. And and rather being refreshed and our capacity being expanded to receive the new from the Lord, we just settle for the old. And God's saying, I'm not going to pour something fresh into something old. What he's saying is, hey, get rid of the old and expect more and expect new and expect increase. God is saying, I want you to have a greater capacity to receive all that you have for me. And if you become complacent and stagnant and comfortable with what you currently have, you're not going to receive the more that I have for you. And so we have to work on and focus on and and, and commit ourselves to saying, God, increase my capacity. God, I want to have more of who you are. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. On a daily basis. See, we can often limit ourselves in God in ways that God never limits us. That we overlay over our lives and tell ourselves things that that limit who we are and how we can walk with the Lord. And God says, I I never put that on you. I I never placed that there. In fact, my son came to die for you to remove those limitations. And so we... 
We have the ability in our lives as we walk with the Lord to increase and decrease our capacity to receive from Him. Some things get in the way. We start saying things like, well, yes, but. Yes, that sounds good. It would be great to be able to do that thing, but. And we fill in the blank. And we limit ourselves. I can't. I don't have what it takes. It's not possible. I'm not this, that, or the other. Or the enemy's favorite. Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been, and God wouldn't want to use me. And God's going, I'm standing right here. Yes, I want to use you. Can I just tell you this morning that there is no sin, there is no mistake, there is no brokenness that is not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing that you can ever dream up or imagine is greater than God's love for you. And so we have to move beyond those statements. So what increases and decreases our capacity? I'm going to touch on just a couple of things because we have limited time. I know that as a pastor, I do not have unlimited time this morning. Faith and fear. Faith will increase your capacity and fear will decrease. Always. Faith will always increase your capacity. It's one of the reasons that we share Thrive stories, that we tell people about what God's doing in our lives, because when I hear about what God's doing in your life, my faith increases and my capacity increases. To start believing, well, God did that in your life. He could do that in my life. We don't share Thrive stories just because they're cool or they give us something to post on our website. There's a purpose behind this. Faith always increases. Fear always decreases. God calls us to walk by faith, not by sight. Because your sight is it's limited. But faith can see things that are not yet and have not yet happened and are still in process. And that's why we say, God, grow our faith, increase our faith, because it increases our capacity for him to pour into our lives something fresh and something New. You say, well, fear. What kind of fear, Pastor Barry? Glad you asked. Fear of man. There's lots of fears. There's a long list, but we'll touch on a few. Fear of man. What are people going to think? What are people going to say? How are people going to treat me? What's this going to be like? And fear of man keeps us crippled, stunted, held back. Fear of failure. I could try, but I might fail. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I would rather try and it not work out than not try. And get to the end of my life and have lots of would'ves and could'ves and should'ves. And man, I wish I had taken that opportunity. Or I wish I had jumped out and done that. You know, as a pastor, fear of failure for me is something that's a huge battle. Hey, we're going to try to do this class. Let's see how this works. Okay, that, that, no, that didn't work. And, and then to say, hey, we're going to stop doing that. It's easy to start things, but then to stop something, why? Because it didn't work. But then to think, well, that reflects bad on me. I'm, on me as a pastor, and I'm not a good leader, and I'm, am I hearing from the Lord? No. I just tried something, and our leadership said, hey, let's give this a shot, and it didn't work. Okay. Now we know something that doesn't work, so let's not do that again. Now let's try something else. But fear of failure keeps us crippled as a people. I want to try because I don't want to fail. Because it hurts. God says, no, I got you. Fear of not having enough. Scarcity. I would serve God and I would go do that thing that he's called me to. But you know what? That it would require that I give up something. Or I might not be able to fill in the blank. I know if you've read your Bible lately... But most of the people that God called, he called them away from their stuff. He called them away from good careers. He called them away from good positions. He calls Abram and he says, hey, leave the land that's comfortable, that where your, what your wealth is and where your family is. And then he says, leave this place and go to a place that I'm not even going to tell you where it is yet. I'll show you later. And we'd be like, yeah, good luck with that. 
but does have a 401k. And what are the guarantees? No guarantees. Guarantee is that God doesn't change and he's unlimited. And if you walk in faith and not by sight, that he will meet you in that and he will bless you beyond what you can comprehend. Fear of losing control. Come on, we're control freaks. All of us. We want to be in control of our lives. It's one of the reasons I don't like roller coasters. I'm not in control. I don't mind driving fast in a car if I'm driving. But put me on a roller coaster, I'm like, I, I'm not in control here. And I don't know if that engineer, that worker who gets paid minimum wage to tighten the bolts, actually tighten the bolts. <laughs> right? Fear of losing control. God, I want to be in control of my life. And God says, no, I'm in control of your life. I'm the one directing your steps. I'm the one who's laid out this path before you were even born. And it extends beyond just this life. God's saying, hey, would you risk giving up control, not just for this life, but for the sake of eternity? If any of these touch in your heart, you're in good company. See, because our heroes in the faith struggled. See, Moses stuttered. Can't even say his name. Moses stuttered. Job, God said, go this way, and what did he do? He went that way. He's disobedient. Gideon was afraid. David committed adultery. Esther didn't have the right authority to go before the king. Mary was too young to have a baby. My daughter got asked to homecoming this week. I was at a conference, and I get a text message. Hey, Grace got invited to go to homecoming. And my heart started doing backflips. I had, I had a fight not picturing her in a wedding dress. Right? Because my mind, I was like, and just unravel. I was like, oh, my goodness. Get yourself under control, Barry. How many people were saying about Mary, she's too young to have a baby. She can't be the mother of Jesus. Too young. Peter, he's a classic. He just did everything wrong. Denied Jesus, spoke out a turn, didn't go where he's supposed to go. Jesus said, go, hey, go reach people. And he like, I'm going fishing. And yet Jesus says, hey, he restores him and says, you're going to be the guy. I'm putting at you, you at the lead. The least qualified, loudmouthed, brash guy gets put in charge. Paul, an, an abuser, someone who is killing Christians, opposing the faith. God says, yeah, I choose you. Why? Because our limitations are not limitations for God. And so we have to move beyond the fear and start walking by faith and start saying, God, what is it you want to do in my life? By the way, the way that this evidence is in our lives in a few ways. Real quick, our thinking, it happens internally, and we have those conversations with ourselves where we talk ourselves out of something God's trying to call us into. You know what I'm talking about? God says, hey, I need you to go here, and we come with all the reasons in our head why we shouldn't. And then what we do is we go try and find people who will back us up. Come on, somebody. And so our thinking turns into words. I can't, I shouldn't, there's no way, it's not enough, I don't have enough, I'm not gifted enough, I'm not skilled enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not short enough, I don't have the right ethnic background, the right this background. There's no limitations to God. But our words become curses that we declare over our lives that decrease our capacity to receive His Spirit and to move in power. And so we shrivel up and we become like wineskins that are cracked and fragile and ready to just burst open. God says, change your speech. And whatever we think and then we speak it and then we start acting it out. And it becomes a part of our behavior. And God says, I never asked you to do this. 
This is not what I called you to. Yeah, but God, this is comfortable. This feels good. I'm just good right here. And God, I'll just do this for a while just so I can kind of get set. Just so I can get a little bit better. And, and when I feel like everything's good to go, then I will follow what you're calling me to do. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Because you don't have that kind of authority even over your own life. But when you say yes to the Lord and say, God, I'm going to walk away from fear and start walking by faith. I'm going to believe that you're going to do something in my life. It opens up the world. The other thing that we do is we ask the wrong questions. And we need to start asking the right questions. In the early 70s, a guy named Martin Cooper who worked for Motorola invented this. Let me put that picture up. The Motorola, the first cell phone, the first wireless cell phone. You have him to thank for that device you're holding in your hand right now. How did it come about? See, because up to that point, every phone was attached to a wall and had a squiggly little cord that you held, right? Come on, you remember that, right? And then before the push button, right, there was the rotary dial. And before that, I don't, have any, I don't think anyone here remembers this, but you would pick it up and then tell the operator, hey, I need you to call this number for me. And then they had wires that they unplugged, right? You've seen it in movies, and Martin Cooper asked a question. He said this in a meeting. Why is it that when we want to call and talk to a person, we call a place? That was the question he asked. Why, when I want to call and talk to someone, I have to call a place? So the implied question is, what would it look like if we just called the person? And here we are, 40, 45 years later, with these things. Thank you, Martin Cooper. Or not, depending on how you feel about that. <laughs> this conference I was at this week talked a lot about asking the wrong questions and asking the right questions. So one of the questions that gets, ha get, gets asked in the context of church and, and mostly by pastors and leadership teams is this. The question is, how can I grow my church? How can I grow my church? Wrong question. First of all, it's not my church, and it's not my job to grow it. The better question is this, how can we expand God's kingdom? And asking that question opens up a world of possibilities. See, because if our question as a church, and my question is, how can I grow my church? I have a very limited set of answers to that question. But if I start saying, how can we as a church start expanding God's kingdom? Oh, the potential is limitless. The opportunities are endless. And so we have to start moving from asking the wrong questions to the right questions. Of ourselves and of God. Now, now Paul said, hey, listen, when you pray, that, that when you ask, he, he'll do more than you ask or imagine. But he doesn't say, don't ask. You catch that? He never says, don't ask. He says, just when you ask, God actually wants to do more than that. And when you dream, God wants to do more than that. So ask big and dream big. Hello? Ask big and dream big. It's the opposite of the words that tear down. God, I'm going to start declaring by faith and praying by faith and asking by faith that you're going to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or imagine. And so I'm just going to go big and believe that you're going to meet me in it. And maybe there's some course corrections down the, down the way. Absolutely. But I would rather risk asking big than not asking at all. There was one Sunday I was standing right here and I was worshiping during, during our worship time. And, and I was just battling with the Lord right in this spot. I was like, Lord, it feels like we're doing all the right things, but it just feels like we're lacking momentum. And, and just really gently, the Lord said to me, what are you not asking for? What are you not asking for? God's saying, I want to move, but I need you to ask. 
I need you to work, walk by faith and start exercising that faith for words to come out of your mouth and say, God, we're believing for this. Can I throw a couple at you real quick? I'm believing that our church will grow, not for the, our church's size, sake, but so we can have king, kingdom impact in our community. I'm believing for two services on Sunday morning and one on Saturday nights in this place. That's what I'm believing for. And standing room only in the back. I haven't even talked talk to our leadership about this, so my apologies, guys, but I'm fired up. And I believe, and I, believe, and I have leaders who, who help check me in this, but I want to I make some declarations. I believe we will plant a church out of this church by the end of next year. It's what I'm asking for. There's, there's, a lo- there's no reason we shouldn't. We can come up with all reasons why we can't, but there's no reason why we shouldn't. So let's set our course and say we're going to plant a church. We're going to send a church out of this place by the end of next year. Then we're going to multiply. And if that makes you like, oh, I don't know how to feel about that, good. Bring it to the Lord and have a conversation with him. But let's start declaring what God wants to do in this place. Let's start believing that people will come into this place to hear the gospel, to receive from God what he wants from them, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be healed, to be trained up, and sent out to go do the work of the gospel. I could go down a rabbit trail, but we'll stop right there. What are you not asking God for? Where do you need to increase your faith? And this doesn't mean you have some arm-twisting, manipulating power over God. You don't. And if you start feeling that weirdness, just get over it. Because if, if you ask the wrong thing, God will correct you loving, lovingly and go, okay, that's, that's a question. Maybe not the right question. Let's try again. Right? But let's start asking God and let's start declaring, God, this is what we're believing for in our home, in our marriage, in our physical bodies, in our community, in our work, in our finances. Some of you are shackled to debt. And the numbers say it's going to be years, if not a decade or more, before you're out of that, under, from under that load. Did you ask God? Have you asked God? I had a friend of mine who had over $12,000 of debt paid off in a day. One day. And you know what I thought? That's cool for him, but that'll never happen for me. I thought it. Five years later, I got a call from someone who said, hey, I know that it's been tough for you guys. You, you moved, you, you left Alaska, blah, blah, blah. How much debt do you have? And I was like, $11,000. And he goes, it's taken care of. Can I tell you, God doesn't, he's not limited by your credit card payment but you are so why don't you ask God not Dave Ramsey though Dave's great right good principles good stewardship but why don't we then say to God God would you take care of this God my body hurts God I'm in pain God I'm sick yes seek treatment but you know what God is unlimited and he says I will heal have you asked It's not that you get to manipulate God, but he's just this daddy going, I have good things for you. Would you just please ask me? Would you ask? And I will lavish and pour out on you. And unlimited continues finally as we walk in obedience. As we walk in obedience. It keeps us in check. Unlimited continues as we walk in obedience. See, because when we get get a taste of the Lord and we start moving in this power, The enemy wants to mess it up and start saying, hey, look at what you did. And we have to come back and say, God, I'm just walking in obedience to what I hear you're saying. What are you saying to me? What are you calling me to? Where am I going? So here's how we're going to close this out. We're going to finalize. We're going to end up with communion at the end. And and we're not going to serve communion and come down the aisles There's a table set up at the end, uh, at the back rather, 
In a few minutes, I'll let you know when you're dismissed, but we, you just move when you're ready. And you have some time between you and the Lord. And you ask the Lord to speak to you, and we're going to seal this time together by receiving the bread and the cup, symbols of the body and, and the blood of Christ that, that secured for us everything we're talking about today. None of this is possible without that. And it's a great reminder for us. So I told you, I'm going to ask for some responses. I want to ask this first. If you're in this place today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've never said yes to him, if you've never said, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I want you to come in and make that difference in my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to give you that opportunity. Um, and it's going to be bold. Quite often we say, well, bow your heads, close your eyes. Hey, let's keep our eyes open and let's make a declaration. Let's be bold about it. But if that's you, we're, our goal is not to embarrass you. We want to celebrate with you. There's the biggest decision of your life right now. If that's you and you're stirring, the enemy's going right now, hey, don't do it. People are watching. Remember the whole fear of man, right? Blah, 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 blah. Just get away from me. Satan, you have no authority in this place in the name of Jesus. That's you today, and you say, I want a relationship with Jesus today. Would you just raise your hand? Anyone here today, you've not ever stepped into and said yes to Jesus? Anyone at all? It's all right. There's a battle. We're believing for people who would raise their hands. I'm believing that the sanctuary will be filled with people every Sunday who are going, yes. I'm not just raising my hand. I'm jumping to my feet. Next question. So what are we supposed to be filled with? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> We're filled with the Spirit of God. Jesus said to the disciples, I have to go because when I go, the comforter, the teacher will come. The one who will guide you in all truth and he will fill you. He will fill you. Now we know that the Trinity, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one and that the Holy Spirit is at work in the salvation when we say yes to the Lord. But we also know this from Scripture, that there's, a, there's an infilling, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, as I was praying about to the Lord and kind of just kind of bemoaning, like, Lord, no one's getting baptized today. And he goes, oh, yes, they are, just not in water. As we call it Holy Spirit baptism, the, ba the baptism of the Holy Spirit where we're filled with the power, the power on, on high. When Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was wa water baptized and then spirit baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit. In the same moment, he came out of the water and then that dove, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, descended upon him and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he went out and it was only after that that he started walking out and doing the ministry that God had called him to. God says, I want to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be filled. If you, and so here's the opportunity. If you've, you've never been filled with the Spirit, if you've never been in a place, maybe you're in a church for the first time and you're going, oh my goodness, I've never heard this before. It's okay. It's biblical. It's truth. And I believe that the Spirit of God is resonate, resonating inside of you to the point that you don't even need me to tell you. God's going, and you're like, just stop talking already and ask the question. If that's you, if you're ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be endowed with power from on high, and you say, Pastor Barry, that's me, just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand. Anyone this morning, thank you. Yes. Yes. Anyone else today? I, church, I'm going to tell you, if you're visiting with us, we do not do this every week, right? But it's appropriate because God is moving in the midst of his people. Anyone else, you would say, yes, that's me. I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. We're going to have some people that will pray with you, and we're going to pray together. Okay, maybe, maybe you're sitting here, and you're going, it's been a while since I've asked for a fresh infilling. See, he wants to fill you daily. It's not a one-off deal. He wants to keep filling you. He wants to keep pouring. And maybe it's been a little while, and you're going, I need to get topped off. My tank's a little low. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? All over. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to pray. Jesus was really clear about this. He says, listen, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, God doesn't withhold. God's not a jerk. Where you would say, hey, 
You ask for something and he says, no, I'm not going to give it to you. Or you got to jump through these hoops. He says this, what father, when he asked for bread, would give him a stone? None. No daddy would do that. So as we pray, I'm going to ask you to pray if you raised your hand, and even if you didn't, and say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? I welcome you. Father, would you pour your spirit into me today? And I'll pray. You pray, and I'll pray with you, and we'll agree. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, and I ask you would fill every life that is wanting to receive from you this morning. Fill to overflowing, exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine this morning in this place, that you would fill your children with power, with your mighty spirit to do, to walk more intimately, intimately with you and then to be empowered to do the things that you've called them to do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. The Bible tells us as we're filled with the Spirit that we receive power and authority to do the things that Jesus did. In fact, Jesus had said to his disciples, you're going to do the things that you saw me doing and even greater things. And our brains have a hard time wrapping our, well, wrapping, well, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around that. What do you mean greater things? Jesus raised people from the dead, right? Well, do I have that power and that authority? Yes, you can pray that way. Absolutely. And it happens all the time all around the world that people are raised from the dead. Pastor Leslie uh, Kegel, actually it was uh, Ted Albrecht, our missionary in Cambodia, they, there was a lady who had died in a community and they She'd been dead for, for, for a few days, like four or five days, and they asked him, would you come and pray for this lady? And they came and prayed, and she was raised back to life. And here's the kicker. She was ticked at them. She's like, why did you bring me back? I was with God. And so she lived another week and then passed away, and they, did, they left her alone that time. <laughs> Pastor Leslie Kegel, standing at the, in our national leader in Sri Lanka, standing at the front of his service, and a lady comes up and puts a baby in his hands, like, right, come, just bless my baby. He doesn't say any words to him, and he's holding the baby. The baby starts crying, and he says, well, what, what do I do? And he does what good pastors do when a baby cries. Give it back to its mother. And the lady's freaking out. Freaking out. And he's like, what's going on? She goes, well, when, the, when she gave you the baby, the baby was dead. The baby had died. He didn't even pray a prayer. Because there's a capacity there and a receptiveness to the Holy Spirit to move in power. Jesus says you will do greater things, not just in, in what we do, but in the scope. God says, I want to reach the ends of the earth, and I want to use you to do it. I want to use you to do it. One of the things that God says that we can do is we can pray for the sick to be made well. And we have testimonies in this church of healing, all kinds of healing, going back for years and years and years, legs growing out two inches, tumors blowing up. Where's Rosie? Where are you at? Rosie, right there. We prayed for Rosie and a tumor in, in her breast blew up. She went in for that scan with the doctors and the doctors were like, we don't get it. We don't get, we've never seen this before. She's like, yeah, that's my God. That we would pray for the sick to be healed and that they would recover. I want to invite the Salgado family to come join me this morning. Rich and Lisa, which is one of the coaches at Life Pacific College. Um, and this is their amazing family. And I'm going to let you guys... We're going to pray for Silas right here, right up front. We're going to pray for others who need healing this morning, but this is a family who are dear to us um, and, and are walking a tough journey right now. And we are joining together with others who are praying for a mighty move of God in Silas's body. Rich, would you tell us what's going on? How are you guys doing? Good? Um, first of all, it's good to be here. So thank you for, uh, this church is very welcoming, um, from the parking lot to the restroom to the back of the church, everybody, <laughs> they stop, people stop, introduce themselves, um, 
So, so that's big. That's a reflection of your pastors and a reflection of you guys. So thank you for that. Um, connected with Pastor Barry through Micah. Uh, Micah got a chance to work with, with us, and I work with Micah, um, trying to keep girls off of him at school. But uh, as you guys know, Micah's God's gift. Um, no, but I had the opportunity to work with Micah, so Micah uh, connected me with Pastor Barry, and they wanted to pray for my son. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. But a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, he got diagnosed with five brain tumors. Um, and then uh, as of last week, multiple tumors on his spine. So we've been going through some stuff uh, with his health and then as a family trying to get through it. So uh, he has a long road ahead of him. But as the message said, as, as you know, God's unlimited in, in uh, his healing power. Um, faith, faith is not rock, but we're hurting as a family. So I'm just grateful that, that you invited us for prayer. Thank you. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for Silas and, um, I'm going to have, according to James, it says, if any one of you is sick and needs healing, come ask the elders to pray. And we're going to ask some of our pastors to come. But before you do that, uh, we're going to pray for Silas, but we want to pray for you. If you, if you're in this place this morning and you need a physical touch of healing today, I just want you to stand to your feet doesn't matter what it is. Don't be like, oh, it, mine's not as bad, so I'm, no, no, no. Unlimited God all over this place. God wants to bring healing. We're believing in a move, the Spirit of God in this place today to bring healing in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what we're going to, we're going to start moving out of our seats. If someone is standing around you and standing close by to you, uh, would you go and, and surround them? Would you lay hands on them? Um, and we're going to start declaring, I'll pray, and we'll just agree you can pray where you're at. Um, we have, uh, Christy, we have some anointing oil. You can, no. Oh, okay. Um, we're going to pray. So let's start moving out of our seats, and we're going to pray, and then I'm going to dismiss us to move towards communion in just a minute. So Father God, let's, Lord, we lift Silas to you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you are the matchless, unlimited God. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. We declare healing in this place today. We declare healing over your children today. Your word says, God, that by your stripes we are healed, that our bodies are made whole. And so we declare healing over your children in this place today, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that you love us, that you care for us, God, that every need Lord, is evident to you that you see everything, Lord God. And I pray this morning that your spirit would fall in this place and that you would bring restoration to bodies, Father God. I'm going to ask that whoever you're praying for right now, would you just go ahead and continue to pray and make declarations of healing over their bodies right now. Thank you, Jesus.